everyone, welcome back. It's Bobby Sylvester, host of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. And we've got another crazy week to chat about and an important fantasy week to start looking ahead to. By the way, I've had a lot of people ask about the outro song and the intro song uh, to the podcast. It's the same song. The band is Absofacto, and the song name is Dissolve. Check it out if you guys want. Uh, now, our guest for today's show is Jeff Ratcliffe of ProFootballFocus.com. Hey, Jeff, how was your weekend? This weekend, you know, for a lot of people, I know wasn't very good. For me, it was pretty good. DFS-wise, was my best week of the season. Season long, I don't know. I'm in the hunt for uh, for the advancing to the next round in, in a home league that's pretty important to me. But I, I can't complain. It was a crazy weekend of football, but I had essentially 100% exposure to Le'Veon Bell. So pretty, yeah, there you go. Me too. <laughs> yeah, DFS went, uh, went well for me. Unfortunately, I was looking at bye weeks this week, so I didn't have to deal with this mess. Um, but you know what? Got to watch some good football uh, and I know it was a nightmare for, for some of these owners, but, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. So I've got the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast that I host, too, and I love a well-played baseball game that usually starts with a pitcher painting the black, mixing up his uh, mixing up his pitches, having command of them all. It's just art, and that's exactly what I saw last night in this Cowboys-Giants game. No, the QBs weren't really on their games, but the defenses, man— Olivier Vernon put on a clinic against Tyron Smith, the best offensive lineman in football. Janoris Jenkins ate Des Bryant alive. And then you've got Sean Lee for the Cowboys. I know all the rave is about Luke Keekley, but Sean Lee is instant run defense. You stick him on the 49ers, they might actually be a mediocre run defense. If you want to watch good football or teach your kid how to play football the right way, just have them watch number 50 for the Cowboys. He's, he's good in coverage, too. Let's not sell him short. He's been one of my favorite players. The knock on Lee throughout the course of his career is he hasn't been able to stay healthy uh, for a full season, but we're actually seeing that out of him this year. And he's a big part of the success. I mean, this is a defense coming into this year. We said, well, they don't have any pass rushers. They have Sean Lee. They have an okay secondary, but even there you might be a little bit concerned. And They've really done a tremendous job, and you're right. That game last night, it wasn't the game that maybe fantasy owners wanted, especially Des Bryant fantasy owners. But uh, you know, it was it's just great football to watch, and and uh, you, I love those NFC East battles. You know, we were also uh, fantasy owners. I won't speak for myself because I don't have Drew Brees on my team, fortunately. But they were burned by Drew Brees. It was an ugly week all around. Um, so hopefully you had a bye week like me, didn't have to deal with it. But if you're still listening, I guess it means you're still alive in your playoffs. So congrats. We're here to break down the top waiver wire pickups of the week for you. And Jeff, we've got to start with Bilal Powell for the Jets, right? I mean, we're, we're recording Monday afternoon, so the news might come out that Forte uh, between now and when you guys are listening is healthy. But if you ask me, it looks like Powell is going to take over. And this really excites me. I've been raving about him all year, begging our listeners to pick him up. 5.8 yards per carry, Jeff. How do you like him against Miami this week and the Pats in championship week? Well, the Pats might be a little concerning. I'm interested to see how this defense progresses through December because obviously getting rid of your best linebacker in the middle of the season isn't an ideal path to the Super Bowl. But we've seen Belichick make things shine. You know, I, I'm concerned there, but that that's not necessarily a great matchup from a game script standpoint. I think the Dolphins will be a better matchup. 
but we do have to put everything into context. This was against the 49ers. This might be the worst run defense I've ever seen. Like they are the antithesis, uh, the exact opposite of the 85 Bears. You know, everything wrong with this defense, and anybody can run them. Which it, it's it it's just a rough break if you're a Matt Forte owner hoping to squeeze a little bit more out of him at the end of the season. And I have confidence he would have done pretty much the same exact thing to this defense. So trying to put that into context, trying to remember the Bryce Petty's out there at, at quarterback for this, this offense and really did not look particularly good in this contest. And somehow they, you know, managed to snake their way into a victory here. But I, I, I think at this point though, with how bad running back is, and the volume that uh, that Powell would figure to see, he's the obvious top guy if he's available. And the nice thing about him, though, is he won't he won't come off the field at all. You know, Brandon Wilds is there. Brandon Wilds isn't going to play much. Uh, Powell should see plenty of volume. And if Forte is out, it does sound like that's going to be the way this this plays out. Powell is a guy you can almost pencil in for twenty touches a game over the the final three games of the season here. I'll say this too about Powell. I mean, if you didn't own him already in your league, he's only owned in 41% of leagues through Yahoo and ESPN. If you didn't own him, I don't I don't know what you were thinking because, uh, you know, he's a, he's a solid flex play right now. And there was always that chance that Matt Forte, who's, who's old, is going to go down. And it happened. And we thought that it might happen. So, look, this is why you carry a lot of running backs because a player like Matt Forte could go down and cost you in the playoffs. So you carry all these running backs, and you hope uh, that you have plenty of options. So I've got my options. I hope you were listening, and I hope you have your options too. If you don't, though, Kenneth Farrow for San Diego, and I, I didn't think I'd ever be saying his name during the season, but Danny Woodhead's down, Melvin Gordon's down, and this one looks like it's going to be bad too. Farrow had 16 carries. Uh, he had six receptions in the backfield, and, and he's going to keep getting work in this schedule the rest of the season. It's a beautiful thing. Oakland, Cleveland, that's two of the worst five-run defenses in the NFL. And uh, he just might help you win a fantasy championship, right? Possibly. I don't know how bad this injury actually is going to be. I mean, we heard some reports that, uh, you know, it's a hip injury that isn't that bad, but maybe we do see Gordon end up missing some time here. I hate to say it, though, but Ronnie Hillman's on this roster, and (laughs) he was not active now, people say, well, he wasn't active, so it's definitely going to be Kenneth Farrow. Well, not necessarily, and we've seen this with uh, with uh, other folks. Cameron Artis-Payne is sort of the quintessential example. He's a guy who does not play special teams, so if Jonathan Stewart's active, he's not going to be active. So in this case, I think that's what we're seeing with Ronnie. Ronnie Hillman wasn't going to play special teams, so he wasn't active. This could be pretty interesting. Now, Farrow's a guy coming into the league to – who who was pretty he was under the radar obviously you know coming into the league but but a pretty good college player so there's some appeal there we know that they like to use the running backs very heavily so at least there's that but I'd like to see how this shakes out the unfortunate thing is we're really not going to get an opportunity to do so before waivers process very likely but keep in mind deeper leagues I think Ronnie Hillman actually is going to probably be worth a dart as well man that's really interesting Jeff I, I have to admit it I did not think about that the thing with Faroe is, I mean, he wasn't drafted, but if you look at his pro day, now he didn't go to the combine, but if you look at his pro day, he was one of the three or four most athletic running backs that came out of college in this draft class. I think the boy has a chance to play some good football, and maybe we'll maybe we'll be able to find out this week. 
and there's a chance. There is a chance. I, I, you know, again, this is this is one of those scenarios where I don't really want to have to be making this decision. Hopefully, I wasn't impacted by it. But yeah, if you're a Gordon owner and you somehow snuck through, but despite getting a goose egg basically from him, then you're going to need some options, and he could be one of those options. All right, let's talk about Robbie Anderson. Now, Robbie Anderson two weeks ago had 12 targets. Uh, Bryce Petty just loves passing to him. And then this week against the 49ers, he had a career day. And I know it's the 49ers, right? But Robbie Anderson looks pretty good to me. What are you seeing on the film? Well, I'm seeing a lot of what we we saw in the preseason. Here's why the preseason matters. You know, the people out there who say oh, the preseason's stupid, it doesn't matter. Yes, it does. And and when we look back to the preseason, now you can play preseason DFS. I know only lunatics like like me and you know <laughs> folks like that play preseason DFS. But if you look back to preseason DFS preseason performances, uh, the number one fantasy quarterback for uh, the preseason was Dak Prescott. That turned out pretty well, but a lot of times you look to like wide receivers, things like that. You're not going to get a lot of insight. Robbie Anderson was the number one preseason fantasy wide receiver. He had 264 receiving yards, three touchdowns. I know who was thrown in the ball most of the time was Bryce Petty. So we look at Anderson. What does he do well? I mean, he he is rail thin, but he is flat out fast. And he was productive at Temple University, which happens to be my alma mater as well. So, you know, I like that. He was productive there, and it's not a, a program that's going to really sling the, ro- the rock around the field. So, you know, a little bit underrated in, in that regard. But he played he played his way ahead of Sharon Peak, and, and Sharon Peak, I thought, coming in was a much better talent than Robbie Anderson. But Anderson just – he's got it going. He's got it going with, uh, with Bryce Petty. Now, I also have to say, though, I, I actually had somebody on my SiriusXM show talking about dropping – Brandon Marshall for Robbie Anderson. Now, that is knee-jerk. That is extreme. You don't drop Brandon Marshall. You do pick up Robbie Anderson, but you don't drop Brandon Marshall. Yeah, man. Uh, I hate to hear about stuff like that. It just brings up all the all the stories that I have from Twitter and email where it's like, guys, don't drop Tom Brady. What are you thinking? Um, I didn't actually get any that bad, but like, that's what it's like sometimes. I mean, guys, chill out. We're talking about some of the best players in football. If they have one bad week or one bad matchup, don't drop them. Okay, I got that off my chest. Let's talk about the other running backs who are going to get some carries. Uh, Ty Montgomery got some work, and we know what he can do when he's getting work. So if he's going to keep getting it, maybe pick him up. And then Dwayne Washington, who uh, you know I love his athletic profile. He finally got 16 carries, and it didn't look that bad against Chicago. And Chicago's run defense has actually been pretty good this year. So of these two guys, if you're not able to get uh, Powell or Fr- or Farrow, which of these two do you prefer to pick up, Jeff? It's tough. I, I, I don't really want any piece of, uh, of the Green Bay backfield. Mike McCarthy finally came out and said, hey, by the way, he's been in running back meetings the, since, you know, for, for the last two months or whatever it's been. So I don't want any piece of it, though, because when you go go through that whole backfield, Chris and Michael, and I just said his name. So out, out there, there are people foaming at the mouth because they say the name Chris and Michael. But Chris and Michael had 10 carries. Uh, you saw Montgomery get banged up in this game, but nine carries. Jeff Janis is getting carries out of the backfield. He had the one. Of course, he scores the touchdown. But regardless, I, I, I don't want a piece of this. The, the appeal to Montgomery is if he gets receptions and three targets in this game so didn't really offer that much in that department so that that's the problem and I I think you look to Washington though and like you said this the 
a- athletic ability I thought was really appealing about him entering this season. And beyond that, Matthew Stafford's dealing with a finger injury. And let's let's take a look. I mean, we've already had the precedent set here. Oakland, Derek Carr dealing with a finger injury has a really bad fantasy game. And Latavius Murray has a really good fantasy game. Now, of course, part of that was because Derek Johnson left the game. And that's a gaping hole in the Kansas City defense now. But either way, they lean on the running back. And if Theo Riddick remains banged up, even even without him banged up, I think that Washington is a much better runner between the tackles. So he does have some appeal. This was a guy who maybe we were probably, th- I guess, three months early on uh, when we, we all added him way back when in the beginning part of the season. But he might be able to offer some some value here down the stretch for the last two weeks of the fantasy season. Yeah, he's really interesting to me. He's kind of the same as Christine Michael. Like, I just can't help myself with him because – He's got the raw ability. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny with Christine Michael, now that um, all this drama has happened in the season, he's probably going to end up taking over in Green Bay and just being dominant the last two weeks. That, that's just the way the narrative's going to play out. He could be the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, football is just amazing. It's just so great. All right, so Dontrell Inman, is, uh, he's been getting more looks. As far as I'm concerned with what I'm seeing, I talked about this a little bit last week. I think he's just about as good as Tyrell Williams. And I know Williams has been scoring a lot of touchdowns lately, but you know what? Don't look now. Inman has three straight weeks with a touchdown. He's getting a lot of targets. Do you like him more than someone like Marquise Lee, who's been doing it pretty much all season? Or uh, which of these guys do you prefer? You know, I like the albino tiger a little bit more, Marquise Lee, and and it's pretty simple. I think Lee has more upside than than Inman does. Inman is a slot receiver, and uh, he was ex- actually in this game able to take advantage of one of the weak spots in that Carolina defense. This is a team that that actually just cut their slot corner, uh, so you know, Robert McLean, and they've been relying on Leonard Johnson out there, and Leonard Johnson is just a uh, uh, basically a turnstile out there in this game. Inman took advantage of James Bradbury, a rookie corner, Daryl Worley. All of his receptions were on those two guys. So, you know, I look at him and he's still a lower ceiling guy that, yeah, maybe has some touchdown appeal. But you look to that that team, the upside guy is, is Tyrell. So Marquise Lee is intriguing for as bad as Blake Bortles is. He somehow keeps managing to put up reasonably good numbers. I mean, in a week that was devastating at quarterback for so many folks, I've seen teams out there who started Blake Bortles, and they're sitting just fine this week, which is just insane to think, given his level of play this season. But you look at the target distribution, and, and Allen Robinson, this was a tough game for Allen Robinson, but you go back to the well the next two weeks if you have Allen Robinson against Houston, who he did he put work on a couple weeks back, about a month ago, and then he gets Tennessee, and Tennessee's in shambles in the secondary. They they cut a starter going into their bye week, Parrish Cox, two weeks ago. So I, I like that, but Marquise Lee, yeah, really has come on nice. Uh, eight targets in this game, led the team in targets, went up over 100 yards. I think he, he's got that skill set, and this is a kid too. If he came out one year earlier from college, he was a first-round draft pick. You know, he kind of – A high first-round pick. Yeah, he's submarine his his uh, his stock, and uh, that talent is finally coming to the surface. He's got the talent. He just was banged up for so long that we weren't able to see it. And he he's uh, in talking to guys in the beat 
in Jacksonville, he is their fastest receiver. It's not Hearns. It's not Robinson. It's Marquise Lee. So he's got some serious upside. You know, the real bummer about Lee is he's not 100% of what he once was as an athlete. Um, you know, he, he has taken a step backwards because of all those injuries, but he's still really good. This guy could have been a great receiver in the NFL if he stayed healthy. He still has a chance. He's still a younger player, too. I mean, their shelf life at the, at the receiver position, this, you know, I know dynasty leagues aren't maybe as popular as they once were. Dynasty seemed to have this trajectory where it was getting super popular, but then DFS hit and, you know, dynasty got kind of pushed into the background as well. But I think everybody out there should play at least in one dynasty league because you're able to keep your finger on the pulse of football year round. It really requires you to do so. And beyond that, you, you start to learn more about about the performances that you can it can help you in redraft as well based on the, on the age of these guys. And, you know, you look at the receiver position, these guys, their shelf life is so much longer. I mean, some of these guys are peaking at 31, 32, 33, where we would never, you know, in a million years want a running back that age. I mean, Frank Gore is basically defying gravity at this point, and he's a super low upside guy. And you look at Lee, I mean, still pretty young. He was born in 1991, so <laughs> that's a little scary to me, somebody born in the 70s. But uh, regardless, I, I think there's there's good football ahead. It's just it depends on what this team ultimately does. It's uh, it's not working there. Unfortunately, too, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, it is working. It's been really good over the last you know month and a half or so. But it, it's you know too little too late, unfortunately, for the Gus, Gus Bradley regime. You know, you were talking about Dynasty Leagues, and I completely agree. I think everyone needs to be in one. It's the best thing in all of fantasy sports as far as I'm concerned. I want to ask you a question about these Dynasty Leagues, though. You mentioned Allen Robinson. We've also got Nuke Hopkins, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for, for Houston, who have just been terrible disappointments. What do you see them doing next year? Are they going to bounce back? Well, they're performances have obviously been very much linked up to their quarterback situation. Houston is is really tricky because Brock Osweiler has been just a, obviously a massive disappointment, and maybe we should have expected that. But uh, in terms of a bounce back, I I don't know if we can say bounce back for DeAndre Hopkins because if you actually look to how he's performed on the field, he's been good. You know, he, he it's just the stats don't necessarily match the production. But I still think he's a top ten. Uh, dynasty receiver because of how young he is because of the upside that he has I'm, I'm not really overly concerned with that Allen Robinson is intriguing though we knew he was going to regress from last year I mean you don't go out you put up 1400 yards and and four, uh, 14 touchdowns and expect to see a guy do that year in year out it's just not possible but uh, that's the ceiling that this kid has. And if Blake Bortles, I, I don't, I wish I knew what Blake Bortles ultimate destiny was in the NFL, but even if he just continues doing what he's doing right now, it's hard for me to keep Allen Robinson outside of my top 10 dynasty receivers, given the ceiling that he has given the ability that he has the prototype wide receiver, one body. Uh, you know, if I was drafting today, that's the beauty to these, their value is depressed a little bit. But he was a 23-year-old receiver who's already been a wide receiver one in his career. I, I think you, you almost have to view him still at long term as, as a, a strong wide receiver one. That's a good way to put it, Jeff. Now, I'm looking at Tyler Lockett, and it's just uh, 
I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know what to do with him. I mean, if you're a fantasy team and you've got Tyler Lockett sitting there, do you flex him? He, his stat line last week did not look very good. He had four catches for 41 yards. If you watch the game, you saw him drop one that led to an interception. Um, but, you know, it was in the snow. And he keeps getting targets the past two weeks. He looks healthy to me. He's got a better matchup this week against the Rams, which I think you could say might be the best matchup in football at this point in time. So what do you think about Tyler Lockett? Would you risk starting him, or would you prefer to go with someone maybe safer like uh, Pierre Garçon or Anquan Bolden? Yeah, when you get into that range, it, it, it gets tricky. I mean, Lockett, I, I was critiqued by a lot of people because I was down on Lockett entering the season. And, you know, I was no, nobody's right or wrong with Lockett at this point just because of the, the injury issues early on. So we don't have a full sense of what he really is. We know he's dynamic. But my concern about Lockett is is a pretty simple concern. It's the target volume. And even in this game, so this this week, uh, Doug Baldwin, almost 30% of the targets, which is pretty normal. Uh, 11 targets in the game for Doug Baldwin. That's a little abnormal to see him get up over double digits. But six targets at 16% for Tyler Lockett. It's 16% target share just isn't enough to sustain consistent fantasy value, especially when it's in an offense like Seattle that doesn't pass the ball a ton. I mean, Russell Wilson, you know, you, you kind of put that over under at 4,000 yards for a season for him and typically try and take the under. I think he'd be just slightly under that and, you know, average seasons year in, year out, the way that they run their offense. So that's the problem. You know, you're relying on a big play and, that doesn't happen all the time, even for a player as dynamic as him. That that's the same same critique that I have uh, for Tyreek Hill right now is you're relying on big plays, and eventually the big plays you regress to the mean. You can't have big plays every single game. I mean, Hill is certainly doing that a lot, but uh, these guys, Lockett, Hill, you're shooting for tons of upside, and I would rather look for more volume. So when you look at it from that standpoint, maybe Garcon, although Garcon for me isn't a, a very appealing player i don't know maybe it's me that i have the bad taste in my mouth so i might look to anquan bolden because of uh what he's been doing but then again target volume hasn't been that great for him recently he only had four targets this week did get to the end zone but golden tate is really the guy in that offense you know i'll say this if you're in this situation needing to start one of these three players I don't know why you're listening to the to this podcast right now because you're probably not in the playoffs. Your team just is not very good or you're about to get whooped in the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, I feel bad if you are in this situation, maybe had some injuries or something, but it is not a good situation to be starting one of these three unless you're in like a deep league or something. Yeah, potentially you could be in that kind of situation. That's that's the un, uh, the thing here. Or, you know, if you're in a situation where you have to start one of those three, you're probably stacked at running back. And, you know, maybe you have somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. or Jordy Nelson at wide receiver. So I guess they're, you know, and you also have to think, too, at this point of the year, it's not just your team. I mean, week in, week out through the regular season of fantasy, you're thinking really largely about your team. How can you win this week and how can you win uh, going forward through the rest of the season? But at this point, it's I have to win this week. So I have to think about my team and I have to think about my opponent's team. And if my opponent is weak at wide receiver, then I, I probably should go out and pick up wide receivers or whatever it is uh, and try and block them from making their team better because I'd rather – uh, a wide receiver be on my bench than on my opponents in my opponent's starting lineup. 
Jeff, I'm really glad you brought that up. That's a great point. It's a tactic that uh, that I use every year. You you have to. You absolutely have to do whatever it takes to win, and that is right up there as uh, as one of the top options to help you out. Now, Jeff, I'd like to talk about streaming defenses. And uh, look, I said this three weeks ago. I said pick up Atlanta's defense. They have a crazy schedule coming up. We saw what happened yesterday. Okay, they just absolutely crushed the Rams. They're going to get the 49ers this week. I even like them in week 16. I think they have a good matchup in week 16. But outside of the Falcons, assuming they're probably owned in most leagues, Jeff, is there a streaming defense that has your eye? Yeah, I guess there there could be some. I mean, it depends on ownership, uh, like usual. And and by the way, the Falcons, they're a team I pointed out on CBS Sports Network yesterday, on Sunday, uh, as a team to, to pick up and play. I mean, pretty obvious play right there. But you look at some of these teams this upcoming week, uh, possibly if the Dolphins are available going up against Bryce Petty, obviously that, that'd be a play. Uh, some of the some of the good matchups are sort of out of play. Like obviously the Seahawks going up against the Rams, they're out of play. They're going to be owned. But uh, maybe Buffalo is out there going uh, facing Cleveland. We saw RG3 was generally ineffective. Now, weather certainly played a part in that. But you got to like RG3 to throw a pick or two. Uh, I think if there's no weather issues in that game, and we can't guarantee that because it's in Buffalo, but if there are no, there's no weather issues, I do think they let that offense loose. I mean, they have two Ferraris essentially on the outside, Corey Coleman and Terrell Pryor. And RG3, say what you will about him, he's got a good arm and a pretty good deep ball, so I, I would expect to see him air it out a little, and that means good things if you have Buffalo's defense. So I, I would be looking at them. Uh, from there, I mean, again, it, some of these matchups that you might want to take advantage of uh, are, are probably going to be owned. So that's the unfortunate thing. You know, Falcons are very likely going to be owned or they're going to be one of the hottest pickups if they weren't already owned. We could follow the flow chart and go up against Jacksonville with Houston, but they could be owned uh, from there. You know, not a not a ton that, that also stick out beyond that. So I think, you know, if you're looking at trying to prioritize Buffaloes out there, you would uh, you probably have to go after them this week. One that's really intriguing to me is the New York Jets. They're 25% owned in Yahoo. They get Miami at home. Right now, there's forecast for snow. Now, we know that's you know bound to change eventually. Maybe it'll be a huge snowstorm. Maybe it won't snow at all. But either way, just the chance at getting Matt Moore in the snow. I mean, I guess we don't know if Ryan Tannehill is technically going to be out. He's got a sprain in his, in his ACL. It wasn't as bad as everyone thought. But it's probably going to be Matt Moore. And it might be Matt Moore in the snow. This is a guy who's thrown 28 interceptions, 23 fumbles in 25 games. He is just a turnover machine. And in the snow, man, this could be beautiful. This could send you into the championship game if you pick up the Jets. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't snow, just drop him and pick up someone else if you want. Yeah, it could be. Or it could be J.H.I. goes for his third 200-yard game of the season. I mean, this is a defense that... They essentially they they almost gave up 200 yards on about seven carries to Carlos Hyde. They've pretty much quit at this point. This this team just they're 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 not playing. And and we we saw remember at, at earlier in the season people were talking about the Jets as one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Well, that was September, and here we are in December, and they're just getting torched. So I, I think it's it's risky. It's risky. I mean, there's certainly upside there. That's what obviously you want to look for is. Uh, can I can I get turnovers and who who's going to score a touchdown for me? So there's certainly that upside. We got to see with Tannehill though. You, you're right. The news right now on him, 
We don't know. We just know that it does not sound like this is a tear in the ACL or the MCL, but typically those sources are the, the MCL, especially if that's a sprain, we know that that the precedent for that is typically a multi-week absence. So you would expect to see him at least out for the next week or two, which Matt Moore um, definitely. Now we could also see though, keep in mind Paxton Lynch was under center for the Broncos last week. And what did the Broncos do? They said, Hey kid, don't turn the ball over. And he didn't really, you know, it was a super conservative game. So maybe Adam Gase is smart enough to do that with Matt Moore. Now, Jeff, before I let you go, I want to talk about streaming tight ends. And this isn't usually a topic that I bring up, but with tight ends being as bad as they are, people are really disappointed with their tight ends. They're looking for the best matchup. And I think there's going to be quite a few people streaming tight ends to try to save their lives this weekend. Now, I'm looking at the guys who are normal suspects. Eric Ebron is owned in almost every single league now. Uh, Zach Ertz is picked up in every league. Cameron Braid's picked up in every league. So we're talking about guys, Charles Clay, Lance Kendricks, Jermaine Gresham, Dennis Pitta. Are, are any of these guys better than a Gary Barnage or Vance McDonald, who a lot of people are kind of skeptical on right now? Yeah, they probably are. I don't want to, I really don't want any piece of Gary Barnage. Uh, I think you should have dropped him long ago. And Vance McDonald was, was he's so heavily reliant on big plays uh, I, I just think you have to be really careful uh, about what you do here, you know, and uh, we can gain a little bit of insight from previous performances, but obviously not much. I mean, ask anybody out there who uh, got all on the Dwayne Allen bandwagon for this week and got a, a big fat zero for him. Um, you know, there are, you're right, though, about playing matchups. I talked about Daniel Brown in my one of my columns as a, as a desperation dart. And, you know, he's went six catches, 42 yards. Now, that's not a great week, but in PPR, I'll take 10 points out of this guy. And, you know, it was a matchup play. It was just, okay, he's going up against Detroit, follow the flow chart, and there you go. So th there are some possibilities. I mean, you look to Detroit this week. Hey, if Will Ty is out there, uh, maybe we, we might look at, at Will Ty as a, a possible option. Uh, Carolina, obviously, has been a great matchup, so that uh, it's going to be the Redskins. So obviously Jordan Reed, we'll see what he can do. But then Vernon Davis, he is available in some leagues, so he could potentially be in play uh, as well. It's just, it's a tough position. And by the way, too, I know some people might be a little bit concerned about Ladarius Green after he was hyped up so much. I'm not worried at all. It was a weather game. It was a, it was the Le'Veon Bell Bowl. So I, I, six targets still for, for Ladarius Green. I think he's going to be just fine. And in fact, you know, looking forward to this week against the Bengals, I think he's going to be a really strong play. So if you have him and you're kind of second guessing yourself, I wouldn't do it. I would just, you know, stay the course with Green. I still think he's going to be a monster uh, down the stretch here. You know, I'm going to say Charles Clay's name one more time. He had six, uh, six targets last week against Pittsburgh. This week he gets Cleveland. He's been getting consistent targets. They just don't have anything in their passing game besides Sammy Watkins, who uh, he's not going to play the entire game. So, yeah, Clay's probably going to get another five, six, seven targets once again. And I know that's not ideal for a tight end, but I think there's a pretty good floor there. Uh, he hasn't really been getting big-time yards. He doesn't have a touchdown all season until this last week. Um, but Charles Clay, I think he's going to get the ball thrown his way against Cleveland this week. So if you're in a desperate situation, I might be pointing you that direction. Yeah, that could work. You know, I, we saw what Tyler Eifert did. Uh, keep in mind, they do use Jamie Collins in coverage on tight ends. Um, not not all the time. He's not a full-time coverage guy, but uh, 
he and he wasn't on Eifert for either one of those touchdowns. He was on him for the other three receptions, though. But uh, yeah, that's a great matchup. They've been a great matchup all season long. And, you know, Clay's one of those guys, you, you know, he's he's a tight end too. occasionally can get you tight end one numbers, but somewhat a decent floor. It's just the position's just absolutely brutal this year. It's unfortunate, but uh, that that's a good thing, because I think next year people might wise up a little bit more to the fact that you really do not need to invest in tight ends early in drafts. Don't invest in tight ends. Obviously, we always say don't invest in quarterbacks that early, because when you're rostering one or maybe two at the position, and you whiff on one of those guys, it, it's the value cost is much more significant than if you whiffed on a wide receiver in the second round or something to that effect. Um, so you know that's that's the these are the breaks. But and, and you know guys like uh, there's been disappointments too. Guys like Greg Olson, people were second guessing whether or not they should start him this week, and we saw it was just fine. He's getting heavy volume targets, and that's uh, that's better than you can say for most tight ends this year. So you keep going. If you have a guy like him, you're just going to keep starting, keep starting, rinse and repeat. Jeff, I almost entirely forgot about one of my favorite pickups this week, J.J. Nelson. He's owned in less than 10% of leagues. Michael Floyd was just arrested for a DUI. Uh, he gets New Orleans, who I understand their defense has been a lot better, but he had a great week. He's coming off a big week with two touchdowns. Do you like him as a pickup, maybe even above Robbie Anderson this week? I mean, we've been down this road. One was a, a rushing touchdown, and the other was his only other target of the game. I, I'm not that overly excited. And the way that Carson Palmer, the way the offense is trending, like they're not able to protect him. The offensive line has been banged up all season. And uh, I, I don't think Palmer is – he's definitely not spinning it like he was last year. Now, last year he was super efficient, though, too. So it was he was certainly well above the mean. This year he's well below the mean. I, I don't want that headache because, you know, you certainly you could get uh, 20 or so PPR points like you got out of him this week, or you could get two. I mean, if he doesn't have that carry and that the reception was just a regular reception, it was a one, you know, one catch for eight yards. That really doesn't do much for me. So I, I don't know. I, I really wouldn't prioritize him too highly this week. All right, Jeff. Well, that's all the questions we have for you this week. Uh, thank you again for coming on and hope you enjoy your week. You too, my man. All right, take care. For those of you listening, thanks for sticking with us through the season. we still got a couple more weeks to go, including uh, DFS through the playoffs, so make sure to tune in for those episodes. This week, we've got James Coe of NFL.com and Notorious, that's Derek Farnsworth of Roto Grinders, coming on to talk about DFS, so tune in for those episodes. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. really helps us out. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me just all slow.